Today, we are looking at a Rick pick. For the regular listeners of this podcast, you know exactly what that means. It's going to be scary and it's going to terrify me. But for some reason, (laughs) I I think Rick's a little off because um, this wasn't scary. This wasn't terrifying. Uh, But it... It is weird. So I'm, I'm learning a new thing about my partner in crime here. So we are discussing and dissecting Unsolved Mysteries, Season 1, Episode 5, Berkshire's UFO. So this is slightly different for us. We've, we've gone for a series here and we've gone for a specific episode. And when I say we, I mean Rick. Uh, the provider is Netflix uh, and it's a Netflix series. So they funded it. The director was Marcus A. Clark. We've got no idea of the money and we've got no idea of the accolades because it's all Netflix. And it was only released in June 2020. So, well, fair play for him for getting it out, you know, during a pandemic. Um, and here's the blur. It was recorded in 2011. I think Netflix purchased it in 2020. Oh, and they've just badged it, Netflix series. Can it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they buy, they purchased yours. It's not, I don't think it's a Netflix original. I think you might be right. That's so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not all Netflix series are Netflix originals. God, hasn't Fair that enough. just devalued all the info you put at the start of these podcasts? A like, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what you can just buy a thing and stick your name on it. What? Matt's cursory glance at, at Wikipedia <laughs> has now just been shot through the kneecaps. <laughs> IMDb, Rick. You know, come on. Up. I, I give to Wikipedia, so I don't completely trust them. Because if someone like me can change a Wikipedia page. Yeah, that, that's up for anyone to abuse. Whereas IMDb, it just seems a bit more, what's the word? I'm like, Professional, I think. And I'm not knocking Wikipedia, but I can change Wikipedia. That's not healthy. Um, right, here's the blurb. Residents of Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Massachusetts? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Right, let's try that again. Residents of Berkshire County, Massachusetts, recall their baffling. <laughs> is that is that the logarithms you're getting you're getting wrong from IMDb? The uh, I'm not going to lie. I, I I practiced this this morning quite a lot. Massachusetts. I can't read it for some reason. Massachusetts. Just say Boston somewhere. Yeah, residents of Berkshire you County. Can't, you can't have a mumbly Geordie <laughs> correct you on how to pronounce something because it's just not going to be correct. Massachusetts, right. Residents of Berkshire County, Massachusetts, recall their baffling, terrifying experiences with a UFO on the night of September the 1st, 1969. Rick, lead us in, mate, because <laughs> how did you pick this? Why are we breaking with our format? What's going on? Come on, what happened? Well, first off, yesterday we recorded uh, Fahrenheit 11.9. Yeah, and by the midway point, uh, our lovely, our positive ray of sunshine of the <laughs> podcast, Matt Wills, was ready to throw himself off a bridge. So what I felt like yeah. we needed was a little bit of a palate cleanser. Let's do a daft one with plenty of talking points without too much stress. 
and yeah so and then a mate recommended this one i watched it and i thought well i'm not wasting my time by watching it so we'll do it as an episode <laughs> let's monetize this viewing experience <laughs> well there's a key point because the monetization or about of this podcast is about as visible as ufos in this fucking documentary <laughs> Nice link. I'll I tell you what I did learn. Um, it's So this all takes place in Massachusetts, which I'm clearly having a problem saying. Um, and it's called, it's not called Massachusetts. It's called the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And it's set in New England, right, which is the area. But the state is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. That's how British this is. And I didn't know this. Boston is the capital. Yeah. Of Massachusetts. Yeah. And Boston is the... So the next lady I get with, the next relationship I have, ideally, I wanted to have a Boston accent. I, well, that's my favourite American accent. You want to be shouted at efficiently. <laughs> Pretty I much, would, yeah. I would do my squats every morning if she's fucking yelling <laughs> at us. Um, <laughs> I went to a wedding with my missus and uh, the... The reason she got me to go, she said, let's go to this wedding. It's my friend's wedding in Wales. And I was like, I don't know. I'm busy. I, I, I had no excuses. And she said, but her family are going to be there. And her family originate from somewhere in Asia. And But they're all Welsh with Welsh accents. And I turned around to my missus and said, that's what I want my next girlfriend to be. I, Asian descent, <laughs> but with a Welsh accent. Um I want someone with a Boston accent now because of Julianne Moore in 30 Rock from the Sun. No, uh, 30 Rock, sorry. 30 Rock from the Sun. That's two shows in one. You know, Julianne Moore, she played Alec Baldwin's girlfriend in it. Hey, Jack. Vaguely. Okay, that's a great that. show. It is a good show. show. It's good. But you, you, you're you missing some gr- comedy greats from your repertoire that you haven't seen. To list a few. Would you say they're great? Or yes, would you say without they're a doubt. just common? No. Um, the Office, Alan Partridge, um, Father Ted, Blackadder. Two seasons yeah. of Blackadder. I wouldn't worry about the other two. Uh, only the even numbered seasons of Blackadder are good. Um, <laughs> See, and you could post that on Wikipedia, right? And that, someone might take that as fact. Uh, my Whereas my, my IMDb, opinion. You have uh, to list the whole thing. My opinion should hold fucking water. And <laughs> <laughs> after thirty hours of content, I've got something to say. It's uh, since I have a degree in comedy, technically. Um, you do. There yep. is very else. You're very funny. There is very else. Uh, trust me, I wasn't learned on the course. I would not follow in the footsteps if you want to be the next miserable <laughs> prat doing a do- documentary podcast. But. Um, yeah, I got very little I can use it in arguments. So when watching TV, like my girlfriend yesterday told me she uh, she loves making me laugh, uh, and I said uh, that's good. it should be a good film. That's like having Gordon Ramsay saying he enjoys your cooking. <laughs> <laughs> but no, when I was unemployed, I was um... oh nice potatoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he likes you scampy. Well done, Pat. Um, yeah, yeah, but. Um, <laughs> When I was unemployed, uh, I had to go in, and when you sign on, you got to go through the whole rigmarole of your education and your previous stuff. And I had to tell them uh, I got a comedy degree, and uh, you know me, I've no one finds me funnier than me. Um, 
and I have this awkward shotgun laugh, <laughs> which is the end of. I think it comes from being in an area where, like, saying the wrong thing will get me punched. So it's almost like a, an untold thing of I'm joking here. I'm just joking. <laughs> this, is, this is an aggressive attack. I'm saying. But uh, when I told him I had a, a third in a comedy degree, I laughed and he went, uh, that's not funny. And I said, well, I am qualified to tell you that it fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> now give me my money. Yeah, and they didn't. Uh, yeah, the country's fucked. But anyway, back to <laughs> back to this documentary. So first and foremost, when I told you it was a UFO one, I got a great message back off Matt, which I was very much looking forward to hearing on the podcast, which is uh, you have seen a UFO. I have, yep. I have seen a UFO. Unlike these people, I don't go on about it. Um, I'm not upset that no one believes me or people call me a a weirdo. Um, Yeah, I I once... um, I used to be a manager of people, and my team was about 50 guys. The way you word things is hilarious sometimes. You could just say, I was like, because comedy is all about word economy. And you go, I used to be a manager, and people would understand that you didn't mean fucking chickens, except for 2% of our audience. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But I I told one of the guys, he said, yeah, I'm really into conspiracies, and uh, I'm a UFO watcher, and, you know. And I just mentioned to him, I went, I've seen a UFO. Two and a half years I managed that guy. That's all we ever spoke about. Well, his career went nowhere. But my knowledge of UFOs and conspiracy theories, they went right up. These people are a bit strange. Well, bef- but not the people in this documentary, right? They're just average Joes. Before, That's all they before are. Before we get into the documentary, I know you don't like to go on about it, for this, but for the sake of content, <laughs> Matthew, would you care to tell us the story oh. of the UFO you saw? Oh, it's really simple. So I got to the, I was about 16. I got to the end of the road and the bus stop was at the end of the road. Uh, it was about, would have been about 10 past five in the morning because my shift started at 7 a.m. All right. Did you get on the bus? The bus driver was polite and then the X-Files music played. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this was pre-X-Files, right? So this would have been 1987. I wish you said 69. And over the house, opposite the bus stop, uh, there was a UFO. It was about, I'm going to say about the size of a small dog, just to give it some context. So about the size of a Jack Russell, and it was spinning around like crazy, just hovering there. And I looked at it for, got to be about six or seven minutes. The bus eventually turns up. I get on the bus, and I say to the bus driver, can you see that thing there? That's a UFO, right? And he leaned out his window, looked up, and he went, yep. And then off we went. That was it. We didn't discuss it anymore. And I didn't mention it again until I've only mentioned it two or three times. It, whenever it pops up, I'm like, yeah, I've seen a UFO. I, I couldn't tell you what it was. But I couldn't tell you anything about it. But it was a spinning object at five, you know, 10 past five in the morning. That's it. It's not interesting in any way, shape or form, I'm afraid. No, that's, I that's fine. I wasn't expecting too much again i didn't get beamed or but i've always thought right because i'm i don't consider myself an intelligent person and at school i was as dumb as you could get i was in all the bottom classes for everything apart from drama because that doesn't have sets they don't, they don't have the thick drama kids yeah next away from the, <laughs> exactly. from the intelligent ones it's not a, there's not a foundation <laughs> drama class where it's but in drama at top of the class mate I was top of the class. 
I did great. I love drama. It was brilliant. You do pop a little on stage. I'll give you that. Well, thank you very much. Um, I, I think that UFO might have made me fractionally more intelligent. Really? I, I've got no great. I've got nothing to measure this on. But I'm thinking, well, I used to be really dumb. And I would say now I'm average, occasionally above average. But yeah, and I'm wondering if that UFO did do something to me. Hmm. I've never told anyone that before. I'm sounding like Tommy from this I documentary. Of, I was predicted D's. I saw a UFO. I got a C plus. <laughs> Think of that what you will. I don't care about what your opinion is. I was there. <laughs> but, but what I didn't like about this documentary was the fact it's called Unsolved Mysteries. This It wasn't an unsolved mystery. This is the thing, and this is why we've, we're only going to do this one from this series at the moment. I mean, if the analytics have an uptick, don't get me wrong, we're going to start acting like whores. Okay. But uh, the, the, the yeah. Unsolved Mysteries as a concept is like a 12-part, 12, 12 separate episodes, I think it currently is, or six separate episodes. I think it's 12 they've got at the minute. There's two seasons. And it's kind of like these people set out and almost had a mint documentary and then they didn't have an end and they went, ah, oh, fuck, we'll sell to Unsolved Mysteries because <laughs> the start yeah. of them are But it's brilliant. not unsolved, is it? Because the, the people in this are like, yeah, we saw a UFO, we went in a UFO, we've told people they don't believe us, although some of them do. So, That's so, it. What What's unsolved? Well, I think if they'd had, well, we'll get into the the elements of that, but I think if they'd had proof. They can definitively say that's what they saw. But there was a great line in it. And I was just waiting for the bloke to go, the guy from New York. I was waiting for him to go, hand to yeah. God. My yeah, hand yeah, to yeah. God. It's, it's true. Because my mate who recommended it, um, my first opinion was when I watched it, I was just like, I think he's got wrecked and watched this. Because he's a bit like me. He's got one of those attention spans where there's football manager going on the laptop. There's something on the big screen. He's eating like a takeout and it's kind of fractured attention. Whereas he might have just been wrecked and like had a paralysis where he watched <laughs> just one thing and it just seeped into him. But I kind of agree yeah. with him. Of all the documentaries on UFOs, this is a one that's it's one of the more compelling because it's got different stories from the same area and things. So unless yes, and I think from that point we'll start at point A because one of the the major selling points of doing this episode was and given the documentaries we've got coming up and we've done thirty nine minutes long. Oh, wasn't that a treat? That was a treat. I must admit, that was a real treat. 39 minutes. I mean, our opening is going to be longer than the entire well, No, because we can go through this. Because in, in this 39 minutes, like uh, everything these people say are sort of noteworthy. So my whole thing was either this happened or this is just a well put together and they've got a bunch of unknown actors. That's, that's the two ways you can really see it that crossed my mind well the second part crossed my mind but the first bit who cares right i I know what i saw that day like mm -hmm. these people but why do they need to have other people well, believe them this is this, this is the same as religion to me you know the people who come around your house and say you know have you found whatever god they're selling do, wh why why is it important that i find it you found it is that not enough i think i've said it before Misery loves company, Matt. <laughs> and there is a huge, a huge market, very much similar to the other subcultures for being 
you know, within it. And that's why I think it's good that they have like these old people who don't look like they're going to be, well, there's, there's an outlier with it, but these all kind of seem like regular people telling their story with an exception. And I even, I even got my dad on this one because he's a UFO enthusiast. So I got a few stories from him. And I got a few opinions. Oh, really? Needed a little bit of research. I got a fascinating thing at the end to tell you about one of the characters of this as well. So we're getting okay. the first person we meet, and let me because I watched this. And whoa, 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 whoa! Can we just sky pause you there? So your dad's a you said is an enthusiast. Oh, so what does that the mean? Amazon believes? Prime series with the new Simon Pegg Nick Frost one? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw episode one that of that the other day. The the, tr- the truthers, the truth seekers. My it, my father could be a bit like that. Oh, he tries wow. to get to the bottom of little things like that. There was an instant, and I promise we will start talking about the documentary. But there's a really funny one where there was nearly inciting in Durham, <laughs> which which cracks. Right. I've got a story to tell that he told me from <laughs> like he's heard from little pieces and pieces because it cracks me up. The minute you put in local British references, it loses all credibility. <laughs> at all because it becomes too real Massachusetts in the cornfields yeah you can believe something but when you say it happened in Team Valley it's yeah, fucking yeah. hilarious to me but um, so that basically nurses on their way to work swear blindly they saw an alien walking down the motorway on the bypass five different nurses and they all reported it and but that could be true there could be a guy in fancy well, this dress isn't the end, this, this, this isn't the end of the story Matt this is not the end of the story Okay, I will Mr. shut up. <laughs> Mr. The Rabbit's in the fucking hat. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're not arguing whether or not Donald Trump should be allowed to gaslight fucking an entire nation now. We're talking about aliens. It's meant to be fun, Matt. It's meant to be fun. Um, so You broke me I, yesterday. It was a tough one. This is why this has been chosen. But what I will say is this documentary doesn't hold up to a second watch very well since I watched it twice the second time to make notes. But so here's what happened. So these, these nurses reported seeing an alien. And the my dad got a description of the alien, and <laughs> he <laughs> he I, now I may have to work with this guy later on. So you know, let's go he's easy not, on he's, him. He's, he's not going he on record for anything, Matt. You have it all redacted. There's no one more. Like like I I got four stories I'm not allowed to tell within this episode. Think of that what you will. I'll tell you. I'll tell you off the podcast. But there is. There, there is some shit I was told. But this is a funny one. because We'll put that on our upcoming Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, £4 a month is not worth the, the relationship with my dad. All right, I'm moving two houses away from him. Um, so, yeah, so the, he got a description of the uh, supposed alien slash monster that was seen uh, on his way to Dryburn Hospital. Uh, he then researched and got in touch with the costume designers of Doctor Who. <laughs> he, <laughs> he he very I'm loving he this very guy. foolishly told me and my brother that he was doing this. <laughs> so <laughs> I would, uh, and I, I, just as a size of, my brother's the funniest guy I know. Like, uh, accents, impressions, and one of the things he always used to do as a kid is prank calls. Uh, to the point, I once got a phone call from a reputable stand-up club, and I assumed it was my brother and told him where to go. Um, that's that's how bad that, oh. that's how bad he is. Um, so he rings up and puts on his Scottish accent, which I can't do the Scottish accent at all, but my brother's got a bang on. 
and says, is this Mr. Wharton? And basically led me dad down a path while we're laughing on loudspeaker in the garage. Um, basically inferring that my dad was a pervert and wanted an alien costume. <laughs> and he was, and my dad just wants to get to the bottom of the mystery, so he's being polite. He's like, going, uh, no, I was just wondering if that what you're going to do with it, you sicko. <laughs> <laughs> is this what you do? Is this, is this what you do? Um, so when the Doctor Who guy, because my brother had him on the phone for about three or four minutes, Every dad held it. He was dignified. He's like, I, I don't understand why you're being like this with me. <laughs> <laughs> so when the Doctor Who guy finally called the house phone, he went, uh, can you hold on a second? And then he came in the garage and took me and my brother's mobile phone's office. <laughs> <laughs> You've broke that man. <laughs> yeah, so my dad to the Doctor Who costume guy uh, seems like a paranoid schizophrenic talking about aliens. And like, you wanted them, aren't you? You're taking the piss. Um... So yeah, it turned out he had sold one of those costumes to someone who lived in the northeast, and yeah, case closed of the of uh, the what next files. Me dad, me dad just calls it the case of the alien crossdresser, uh, and that's that. Right, mystery so, solved. Well, then I think we need to get Mister Wharton Senior over to Massachusetts. <laughs> He gets stuff done. Well, so anyway, the first lady we saw, because uh, it's, it's a well put. These are well put together. The unsolved mysteries. They're short, concise, and they get the the stock yeah. footage brilliant. They, they, it's it's the kind of thing I like, a few elements I like in a documentary. It really nails it on as fact. So the first we don't see we see the we hear the lady talking, an old lady, but we see the walking stick just hitting into the ground as she talks talk about what she saw that night, and she's all wearing green, so she looks like fucking Yoda. And um, on a second watch, I'm trying to look at all these actors. Am I looking at little tells whether or not these have been honest or, or, oh, okay. or being actors? Okay, right, yeah, yeah. And um, all wearing green, and it uh, comes up her name is Jane Green, which I can imagine. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine the director watching her back going, oh, you fucking idiots, that's what you called her that. She's just wearing a green top. <laughs> But uh, she, her story is, I saw these things, I never told anyone, and then when this documentary got in touch with her, she then told her kids, and her kids went, yeah, we saw it as well, we were told not to tell you. That would, If that's true, that would have annoyed me. I'm like, mom, we've had so many boring dinners together, you could have brought up the time you saw <laughs> fucking aliens outside the pharmaceutical store. you <laughs> You were telling me about that dog you saw three days on a trot, but you don't tell me when the little green men abducted you into the alien spaceship. 33 minutes about how Mrs. Miggins doesn't like a new hairstyle, but the fucking time you saw aliens, that gets slipped off the bloody minutes for a discussion. Was there two Tommies in it? There was, which again is another thing. I can imagine the director's going, you fucked Uh, up on the names. Why are they all called Tom? (laughs) (laughs) So it was one of the Tommies. And he said this. I was colouring in. Crayola was my medium. He's <laughs> a big red flag to me. <laughs> what he, the fuck? Like again, if you're looking for if you're looking for an indication of someone embellishes a story, saying a ten year old's medium is Crayola <laughs> is definitely up there. <laughs> Tom Warner is the outlier in this that- one. He is He's the guy in Independence Day where he's like, hey, guys, I'm back. (laughs) He's the crop duster. Is that Rand? That was Randy Quaid. Was that Randy Quaid? From Kingpin. Is that what he's called? Randy Quaid? Because I thought he's the other guy from Any Given Sunday. I could be wrong. Because he he plays the Amish guy in Kingpin. I'm sure it's Randy Randy Quaid. 
Russell Casey. All now right, then. then. So, none of you would be here if it wasn't for my David. <laughs> right, bring us back to this. So I've got, I, I, I normally make 70 to 100 notes. Sorry, I make 70 to 100 notes normally per show. I, I've got 12. <laughs> well, let me do the piercing on this one then, because I, I, I could slow it down since I watched it twice. So Tom Warner, who was 10 years old, he was playing with his crayons. <laughs> or doing Crayola. Now I've got this image of him wearing a beret at 10 and being like, it is Finny. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Tom. And the reason why is I have a tub of Crayola in my dressing room. You have a dressing room? And, uh, yeah, in my house. Yeah. Well, it's a spare bedroom, but there's only the two of us here, so I just... All right. That's my dressing room. That's fair enough. my clothes in Sorry, there. Sorry, a little bit of working class just snapped out of me neck there. Yeah, you got to fucking walk with your light bulb mirror. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and then that way I haven't got to wake her up when I'm getting dressed because I get up really, really early. Uh, anyway, I've got a tub of Crayola crowns, and when I need a hit of nostalgia, stick me nose in there. I have a good smell. Takes me back to being about <laughs> four or five years old. It's quite nice. Fair, fair dues. Fair yeah. dues. Um, I know I've distracted it, you from this documentary. It, there's no, there's a reason. Plenty, we've got it's... plenty of jumping and out of, trust me, because I, I, like on the second watch, I am Tom Warner, and I'll get to it at the end, why is the one I'm watching like a hawk, like fucking Tim Ruffin lied to me. Because like, if you have an anecdote where something big happens, the the minutia disappears. The, the, the tiny... The tiny fucking elements of that story, the the pointless bits, because you retell the story and you lose it off. Like a comedian, your bits get shorter and it gets shorter and it gets yeah, more yeah. word efficient because you get sick of telling the story. So the way he does it, when he's to- he's walking, he's got his hair blown in the wind underneath his uh, peaked cap and he's going, 50 years ago, man, feels like yesterday, feels like yesterday. Like he's like a fucking, like he's walking around a fucking, you know, like a battlefield in Vietnam. And <laughs> That's exactly right. I saw him as well. So it jumps around in who we've got. So we've got the New Yorker guy as another Tom, Tom Reed. Uh, his story's got an interesting twist. Yeah. Yeah. Hand to God. Yeah. My word is my bond. What were you doing today, Tom? Well, I do what I do every day. I argue with someone in their deli. <laughs> <laughs> And the guys in the deli know, hey, that's Tom. He's like that. Okay, so that's just who I am. I'm a, I'm a hard on my sleeve guy. <laughs> what I liked about Tom was he had a an East End Cockney villains choker yeah. chain on. Did you see that? He had a big dookie gold bit of chain around his uh, around his neck. He does look like he's like one of the guys playing cards outside of a deli at the start of Goodfellas. Is how I would describe him. Yeah, hand to God. So Tom hand to God. Then you got Mel. Melanie Kirchhoffer, who uh, her, they've got her story, they'll run yep. through. Uh, so we we'll get introduced to these. And then that's when we met Tom. Uh, so the basic story is all these guys saw a bright flight, lashing light. So Jane Green saw a bright bright light in the car. Melanie saw a bright light in the car. Tom saw a bright light in the car. The different story is Tom, at the age of ten, when he finished his crayons, he walked to the window, and telepathically, someone told him. You have to go home now. Yeah. So, and he and the thing is, he, he's doing the act out himself. So he walks out 
of the house and he's doing the running and he goes, and I'm running, I'm sprinting. I got to get to my house across the field there. And, and, a, and a white beam hits me. And then the sister of the person he was coloring crayons with is in the documentary. And she's described goes a white beam. And he is just running yeah. on the spot, like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. He is just running. He's not moving. And then his arms get flung back and he gets beamed away. <laughs> now I'm going to go through his story first. Cause I look, this is, I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm on his side. It's the way he's acting it out. It's so funny. Cause then they say he got beamed to a spaceship. He sees Melanie who Melanie didn't see him, but he saw Melanie. Uh, it said she looked terror. And he's like, again, he's 10 and he's talking like, like to have his voice as a 10 year old is hilarious. Cause he's putting his own mind into the 10 year old going, and the look on her eye was the look of, oh, yeah, my yeah. God, what am I going through? This is <laughs> something else. And so he then reappears on the lawn. And the, the best part of when he's telling this story is, again, he's acting it out. So he rolls onto the grass. He shows us what laying down looks like. Yeah. And I'm laying down. He's going, just like this, just like this. And this part, again, cracked me up. I couldn't move. My brother said, you have to run. And I didn't know, because the rest of the story, his brother's not in it. He didn't tell his brother was there at any point. It was just the lady's sister who was helping him color in. So the brother's turned up at some point. I don't know who I don't know who beamed his brother there, but he's, he's going over the lines in his own story. His brother goes, you have to run. He went, I can't. The beam has me paralyzed <laughs> as a 10-year-old. <laughs> um, and then I just heard a voice that said, I'll be done in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. That popped me right there. Just <laughs> the alien going, don't worry, Tom. Nearly finished. Nearly finished. I like the people who got sucked up uh, in the car. So there was the mum, the grandma, See, and that one, the New York this is, guy. This, this story is when it falls upon these are either actors or something messed up happened. I don't think they're actors. I think something genuinely happened there's loads of people pressing the pause button now going this this guy's a fucking idiot yeah i don't care hand to god i saw a ufo i'm with tommy and the gang here i believe all of them it's great because the minute the right crisp packet floats past you and you go oh is it dorito special edition 1972 <laughs> go yeah it wasn't wasn't cost effective to keep the led lights on them uh but have you noticed right the UFO sightings have gone down since the advancement of the camera phone. Oh, greatly, yeah. yeah. I've got a story about that for, for the end when we're wrapping this up. Okay, so, so there was another family in a car and they saw the UFO and they'd been out for ice cream. And they all looked at one another and their dad says, we got to chase this. <laughs> <laughs> what sort of dad is that? That's a UFO. Put your seatbelts on, kids. And that's just Jean. That's Jean Green. Jean, Jean Green said that one. That's her story. Because her family owned the pharmaceutical store, which I, I've got a point to make on. Oh, okay. Yeah, because she... Um, and the whole the whole experience of the UFO appearing and beaming a few people up and not beaming others, the whole thing took seven minutes. Mm. Yet, but they were missing for hours. Yeah, they were missing for hours. Um, so some sort of time, time distortion is going on. Probably within the ship, but I'm guessing. Because the they're not of this realm, are they? Or reality. Or 
planet yeah, the- or whatever. Or, or listen, what about mass hypnosis? Can you mass hypnosis a bunch of people? Hey, I, there's, there's the the wajimajiggy of um, using LSD to dose people as a yep. military tactic that was apparently tried and tested on people. Now, I think I'm quoting John Malkovich in the movie Red. Um you could be <laughs> on that. I don't know if it's true. And plus, I've watched a lot of X Files this week. Um, so, <laughs> oh, I can see why you've picked this. You were in that genre already. Because I was thinking we could do the Bobby Fisher documentary. Because I've been watching Is that the chess player. It's the chess player, yeah. Because I've been watching the Queen's Gambit this week. I'll do that documentary. That was a good one, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's meant to be superb. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, Right, but there can't be much more for you to talk about this documentary. We, we've covered it. The people, right? They've... The people pulled up on um, by the pharmaceutical store, and when they come to, the mother and the grandmother have switched places, like they're being put back, but in the wrong order. And the thing was, the grandmother couldn't drive, so they didn't know why. When they came to, was the grandmother in the front seat. And then you hear Jane Green's story, which is an interesting thing. She comes back. Uh, she says she pulls back next to the pharmaceutical store, turns to her girlfriend, says, I've got to tell my husband about this. But first, I'm going to go fuck with this family asleep in the car outside the store. <laughs> I'm going to move them around. <laughs> and the, here's another little tidbit. When, but that when I she went and sp- hang on, when she went and spoke to her husband, he said to her, yeah, this- you need to go and tell the radio people. Yeah. Again, that's a yeah. weird thing to say, isn't it? Go tell the folk on the radio, because the cops are never going to believe you. In the northeast, I've just seen a ghost call Alan Robson of Night Owls, <laughs> 92.8 FM. You'll love that. So Tom J was at WBS Radio, and then it, it gave some dates, right? 1942 to 2012. Is that the time he worked there? Or is that how long he lived for? I think he passed, otherwise he would be in the documentary. That's That was my assumption. Okay, because I assumed that WSBS Radio were a great radio station who just, you know, admired Tom Jay and they kept him on for 70 years. Because yeah. if he started working there, say, at the age of 16, and he died at age 86, well done, Tom. And they, they tell the story of everyone starts ringing the radio station saying they've seen it. And here's another thing with the transition shots. They keep on showing you a map and then putting plot points on the map of where these sightings were, which is a very good yes. like tool, like a directorial tool to increase this as fact. You're almost being dragged along saying this did happen there, this did happen here, this did happen there. They do it a lot in the true crime ones of like um, alibis and where someone was at the time of something going, it was here, it was there, it was there. And I thought that was interesting. That was a very fun little thing they put in. I like seeing those because then it's a good Mm. graphic. It keeps it moving along, but it reinforces everything it's saying. Like from a documentary point of view, I like seeing that kind of stuff. Did seem like the UFO traveled in a straight line. Yeah. And uh, so, which would make sense. The the again, one of the first shames of the documentary is they didn't keep the recordings of that night of people ringing up saying what they saw. Yeah, in the radio station. Yeah, yeah. If you'd had a bunch of people that are no, like half of them no longer with us or not even in the documentary going, yep, over on, you know, Creek Hill, I've seen this and there's a kid running on the spot over by Tom Warner's house. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
his brother's trying to tell him something. I can't make out what it is, but he's clearly being talked to by his brother. Yeah, because uh, Melanie, her story is she wakes up by the lake. The one who, because Melanie tells the story of like she was going out and that weekend she wanted to share cigarettes with her friends because she'd stolen cigarettes, but they had to go for ice cream with her parents. They see the light and then she's beamed away. Tom Warner sees her up in this UFO and then she wakes up by a lake and has to walk home. For me, if I was asking questions about this, I would say, what did they say when you got home? <laughs> uh, was 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 there anything said about that? Did the other people get beamed away? Did your dad say, why do you smell? Shut up, dad. I'm having a cigarette. All right. You don't know the, know the night I'm having. I'm stressed. I'm smoking a tab. Do one. But um, yeah. So then you get into people doing research. There was nothing in the paper about it. And then you meet chief of police, William Walsh. He then has the logbook of that evening in 1969, and there was no records of anyone phoning the police about these abductions. But saying that, William Walsh does look like the most extraterrestrial thing in this documentary. <laughs> well, I thought that, and then I thought, hang on, he's got the same problem with his nostril that I have. That mine was, because mine's been cut open so many times by doctors and bits of it removed, he's had exactly the same, because I was fascinated by William Walsh. Did he go to the same bus stop in Kent? So. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm not from Kent. That, that, that's Because a few people think that, because I live in Kent. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm from East yeah, London. I'm a nine-minute train away from Kent. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like, so... It's a fast train. So, so William Walsh, if... Well, William Walsh, if you... Well, if you pause, if you pause the documentary at the right moment, you can actually see his index finger glowing. <laughs> <laughs> and he's saying to the people making the show, "Go home, just fuck off." He looks so, so men in black. Like I think he's infiltrated the police and he's been keeping this secret. Like he looks like he's about to walk, walk into your room and ask for a glass of sugar water. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing through his eyes because his nose is so messed up. And yeah, there's nothing in the papers. And then we meet uh, Galotta. Eddie. Eddie Galotta. Who is the son of the chief of police. And I love a black and white photo. Because you see see the dad. And the dad honestly looks like he's hit some people with a phone book in his time. I I would not. Oh, yeah. So tell tell me what you think of Eddie Galotta there. What a personality. Mr. Don't Chew during the podcast. (laughs) I got really hungry in that prank. Um, You're breaking, Matt. You're breaking. Eddie Galotta, hands down, the most... And we have got some personalities in this documentary, but he is hands down the best. Because he's like, this is not baloney. And let me show you this article. The Air Force have said they've seen UFOs, so you know it's true. Because those guys are smart in the Air Force. Well, it's not everyone in the Air Force, Eddie. Just a couple of blokes in a plane went, yeah, that looks a bit weird. Here's what made me laugh about Eddie. So, small town. Yep. He works in a petrol station. It, his petrol station. It's a mobile, a mobile one. No, mobile's like the the sort of overall brand, but it's it's right. his, it's a Goletta. Yeah, so it's his 
It's his store. Right, basically. right. Okay, that makes more sense to me because I thought you just worked in a petrol station. He's like, no, come on, me cigarette break. And I'm like, Eddie, can you get back to work, please? He's like, I believe. Hello, something's <laughs> out there. <laughs> no, it's his store. What bothered me about that was if your dad is chief of police, that's as high up as it pretty much gets in the town, right? I guess, oh, what's more powerful than chief of police? Mayor? Yeah. And if you look at the Simpsons, between the mayor and the chief of police, they're always arguing, you know, is it Wiggum or Clancy? Are they, is yeah, that the more powerful? Chief, chief Clancy Wiggum. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, yeah. Clancy Wiggum or the, the mayor, whatever the mayor's called. Mayor, mayor Joe Quimby. JFK. Joe Quimby. Thank no, you, no, Joe. JFK. It wasn't Joe Quimby yeah. got assassinated but he's, in he's Dallas. He's based on JFK. Right. Okay. But yeah, so your dad was the chief of police and you're going to run a petrol station. I don't, is that, have you failed your family? No, what, not, not if you're selling petrol. It's pretty much, I, I almost called it a bomb-proof industry. Not literally, but it's one of the worst places you could bomb. But the the amount of money you'd make from having a petrol station would be fucking fantastic, surely. Actually, there is that. My mate did own one. It was, and, wasn't that uh, abroad, and they have like the less tax and stuff on it. No, he he owned one in Britain, and uh, yeah, it was a gold mine, absolute gold mine. So the thing about Eddie, it shows you him in, like, uh, serving a customer, and he did, and he's like, "Hey, sir, how are you doing today? You getting stuff done?" <laughs> and there's nothing, there is nothing on this planet I hate more than that. And then you, if you're in a news, it's like, "Hey, you getting stuff done? I, I, I'm buying a milk. I am purchasing a Milky Way at eleven fifteen in the morning. How the fuck do you think my day is going?" But the customer says to him. No, not really. Oh, he doesn't know what to say. He's like, yeah, oh, God, it's pumped. Yeah I've, yeah, I've got a lot of work to do. Can we just get this? Just give me my lucky strikes. Let's get out of here. And then we go back to probably my favorite, my favorite one of it. We go back to Tom Warner. And he talks about how, as a kid, he was a pariah because of this story. And he, has, he says something yeah. that just stuck with me. And he says, through high school, I didn't date any girls. And it's like, I wish, I wish... I had that level of self-confidence. I wish I did. I wish I had that self-esteem where I could be like, will you go out with me? No. It's because of the aliens, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's because you're an ugly bastard. That's why. Because of the aliens. Mm. And he's, he tells a little bit more of his story when he's just like, and then I tur- when, he, when I'm getting <laughs> off the floor and I turn around and there was a rock just here. There was a rock there and the path was just here. And I, uh, why did you mention the rock? You don't mention the irrelevant parts in a store in the truth. You like you, it, it shrinks. Oh, so you think he's making it I up. think he's making Because then it becomes to, and goes, in the end, I just had to paint it. And you see him walking up the stairs like you go to see Dorian Gray's painting. And the painting, for me, is one of the funniest things we've seen in a documentary. His painting is a child's drawing of Marvin the Martian in a UFO beaming someone up. <laughs> and he presents it like it's like a pictorial evidence of what happened. And his medium wasn't Crayola, which was very disappointing. Yeah, he was going through his, uh, his needlepoint phase. His... I don't know what he was going through, but his... that painting, to me, is fu- it just cracked us up. It is a child's drawn like oh what was it like being abducted by aliens have you seen it in a cartoon yeah exactly like that <laughs> like to the like minute detail let me ask you this then so we've been working together for quite some time you've known your dad right for quite some time and you know we're reasonably stand-up guys me and your dad do you believe these people in this documentary or not it's because i'm getting the impression that you think that they're all talking nonsense, or are you just going for the the pokey fun bit? Because th- they 
they do hold themselves up a little bit to ridicule. Here's the thing. A little bit. I There is plenty of stories of people seeing unidentified flying objects, not necessarily aliens. Yep. The the stealth bomber wasn't even admitted to being like um a real thing for like 30 years, so that was always seen photography yeah. there's a thing uh, there's a picture that when my dad went through all the stuff with us on the phone um and there's a picture <laughs> if this was a video podcast we'd be seeing the pain on hey, Rick's do you know face what? Right do you know what? it is because me and my dad are very similar but if we don't have a similar interest it just clashes and goes in an opposite direction it's like it's like two magnets right. basically um like uh, opposite and opposing or whatever. I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't no, know how magnets yeah, work, yeah. but um, <laughs> so no one knows how they so, work. So uh, aliens, that's how they work. Uh, you went through that. No. Um, <laughs> so since that was interesting, I enjoyed very much the the chat today and he- hearing his insight on it. So basically, the one of the latest things that has been released to uh, the press has been two hitchhikers have a photograph in Scotland. Uh, in the hills, and it's a picture of an aeroplane and then a perfect black diamond next to it. And that's been sent anonymously to the press. The press put that out, um, and then the real photographs apparently have been sealed for 30 years for some whatever. So that got everyone talking, and people are going on chats who are saying it was nearly. Now, what my dad says is... um, there is so much money involved. You probably get more bother for exposing this than for exposing aliens. Is any photographer worth their salt would just know that the depth of field, I think it's called, on taking a photograph, uh, aeroplane turning around, would just blur and look like a diamond. And it's really funny because if you right, type okay. into Google a uh, Scottish UFO site, and it's the first picture, and the sun have tarted the photograph up and basically drawn it in to look like a UFO. And then they show you the original one, which is just like a diamond, black diamond. Not You can't see anything of it. That is just the depth of field from the the, the photograph. That's smudged it, basically. So do you believe these people or not? Oh, no, that fo- that photograph's fake. But um, I like the idea that people have seen lights and, you know, aircrafts that haven't been identified by the military, I think, are a huge part of it. And um, a lot of the people who have, this was an interesting theory dad's got, a lot of the people who have these memories get them via hypnosis. If you go yes, through yeah, yeah. if you go through a lot of people's accounts of things, they have blank time, but it's hypnosis that gets them back to remember being on a spaceship with the bright white light yeah. and the distorted the faces. The memory. And my dad yeah, yeah. says what his opinion is, is it's a, it takes a memory out of your mind, but the memory it's actually triggering is your first memory being born so if you imagine when you're born your eyes aren't developed and when you're like a baby's eyes it's kind of like a funhouse mirror and if you think of what the archetypal alien of like you know the moon the et-ish or the spherical yes head yeah, yeah that could be like a distorted human head like if you're watching a tv show and someone's on mushrooms and they go wow and start yeah yeah it's that kind of distortion on their face. That's the kind of outline shadow of what a lot of alien iconography is. So his opinion is is like of a hypno- hypnotist has got them of that bright white light and that memory, that disturbed memory of people prodding and poking you. Someone's finger would look like that alien ET finger uh, in a hospital is what 
a, why a lot of these um, accounts match up to abduction, which I found that okay, interesting. That's not a bad I, and, and I, I, I can, that's not a bad I theory. can jump on board with that. But what about the people of Great Barrington? Do you buy into them or not? Uh, I do with the one because my dad googled the Barrington story. He got straight. He, he went uh, again. It'll take him six months to listen to one of these episodes. But if I tell him there's a UFO thing, we can chat about. He he chucked me mother off the East Enders omnibus. Now you don't understand. Wow. How you don't understand what a rare occurrence that would be in in the Walton household. That just doesn't fucking happen. <laughs> um, and then he went and googled it all. Tom Warner. Uh, which was cut out of the documentary, or he didn't bring it up for this documentary, claims that was the fourth time he had been abducted, which okay. which takes away a lot of credibility. And when you look at his... Which is why they didn't put in it in his story because it might... Compared to everyone else's, is very much close encounters. Do you know what I mean? His is very much a movie with the beaming him up, and he's, he's the one who sees people on the, uh, uh, on the spaceship. He's the one... That you know, he lives by this. He's the one acting it out on the thing on a on a piece of grass. Yeah, yeah. He's the one the telepathy said, "I'll be done in a minute." Um, he's the one selling patents of it. The other people, I can almost believe. The only thing that keeps me off believing them entirely is, uh, I since my mate and he was the one who actually recommended this this documentary to watch. He did film studies. And I was in, okay. uh, and I had to go along for one or two of his things. And I don't think you realize how many people are very good actors that haven't been used in something you've seen. Like, Loads like, like yeah, you yeah. don't realize the scope of that. So, like, hello, yeah, <laughs> top of the class. You're working with one right Top now. Top of the class, man. Don't forget that play I was in, Rick. Still talked about. Still talked if, about. If only he could act like he was interested in the Michael Moore documentary for two fucking hours. <laughs> um, so I I can see Jane Green getting a, a £500 paycheck to go just, just say these these lines yeah, like a Blair Witch project right yeah a little bit like that you could do that easily but I don't know because I don't because there is a lot of accounts of a story like that and I think it builds and folklore builds in a because a community so like uh, Tom kind of hooked now they've got those five people all in you can kind of like agree on what have and have different happen I don't know I think they may have saw a white light I think that's more than plausible uh, I think they may have seen something they didn't see I didn't think Tom Green got beamed up to a fucking spaceship and they said in a perfect Boston accent, I'll be done in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but what about Melanie? She had exactly the same experience as Tom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but uh, and Tom and Melanie didn't know one another. You know, they went to the same school, but they didn't know one another. And here comes a little bit of my prejudice. Is um, Melanie looks like an actress who's looked after herself with her looks. Do you know what I mean? She is... St- Stunning for you would to think that she's the same age as Tom is remarkable. Do you know what I mean? That is yeah, to, yeah. She's, she's uh, like in a, and she holds herself well. in her sixties, and she's like yeah. I but again, I, that's just impression. I can't explain away all of it. I didn't get the shot of her walking down the street drinking the. It's the shot. It's the next shot. Yeah, it looks like it looks like yeah. the start of what, Sex what in the City. For? Yes, um, but it's the sh- it's the shot of um, Tom. 
Because you've seen the opening shot of that street, which was a parade with the kids with the American flag and soldiers walking down it. It's the same yeah, shot yeah. from the beginning. It's like from a window, like high high right angle. It just whenever you see that footage, I just think of an assassination. So you think Tom's about to be assassinated in, in the final <laughs> scene of it. I like the uh, I like the fact that Tom is saying, "Listen, we've lived here for five generations. Why would I lie?" And- my missus works in a library. Why would I lie? You need the money because your missus works <laughs> yeah. in a library. That doesn't that doesn't stop a liar just because your we, wife works in a library. There's one last talking point, which is uh, New York Tom's mother talking. We haven't mentioned her, and the fact, I mean, if if you could prove to me that they are related, that would give the, everything a lot more credence to me. If there was a fact that you can go, that is oh, okay. her mother. That's fact. Um, uh, that that to me would give their story a lot lot of credence because i don't see those two as a whole heap of tells for attention seeking online or anything like that. i honestly don't and then they talk about how they got kind of bullied for their story how they got followed home in a truck once and then in this story uh not the most pleasant story but there's little fine bits of minutiae that uh crack me up about it is he goes one guy even jumped up on the table once and exposed himself and says, do you, do you want to see something come out of this world, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> now, but just to analyze, on just one second. That, she sold one, her one, business. One second there, Matt, because we're going to get into that little the logistics of that. <laughs> like, to say, do you want to see something from another world? That is a long time to be stood on a table without getting your dick out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now picturing him struggling with his belt and I gotta be honest I think that incident wasn't about the aliens if that happened, <laughs> that was a man who wanted to show Mary his dick yeah and why didn't she phone up William Walsh to come and arrest this dude for me, why Why sell your business if that happened, and that would make X-Files so much better if people kept doing that to Mulder <laughs> if every time he goes to a car park to get information from a deep throat character, no pun intended, he then went, yeah, you're getting close, Mulder. What about this? Just <laughs> 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 having to go back to whatever motel they're staying in. Did you get anything, Mulder? There was another guy windmilling on my, on my windscreen. <laughs> And then it wraps up, so it's kind of the, the, again, so no definitive proof is why it's an unsolved mystery. A lot of people in the town disagree that it happened. There's nothing in the newspaper, the logs, they don't have the radios, and they give the whole, if you have any information on it. But I have one or two talking points. I like that, the banner at the end. You know, if if you saw anything on September the 1st, 1969, come and contact Unsolved Mysteries. They're good watchers. There's a few mysteries on there that are well worth watching and uh, if the analytics has an uptick we'll do one or two of those as well but i got some uh a few things to wrap up on because this is a fun one i manage the analytics so uh, yeah, sorry <laughs> i don't we're, think the analytics we're, we're talking gonna... from like i tell you what for some reason uh fucking crusty the clown or whatever the shite <laughs> one was called wrinkles the clowns one of our highest downloaded episodes last week which it's insane yeah. isn't it absolutely insane so, i was taught when i first get into comedy that you don't choose what the audience will will grab onto and find brilliant, and we are starting. Yeah, to Lenny see... Bruce chose that, and we copied. Because <laughs> the fact that Wrinkles the Clown is doing so well is insane. But um, what was I going to say? So, just as a quick, uh, as we got time to kill at the top of this one, um, what do you think would happen if aliens did come? For a, a talking point, funny you should say that. Um, 
I think they're going to. Did ask you direct that play in school? Where are the? <laughs> <laughs> I think the first thing we could do is we should ask them: Did have they been visiting America a lot in the last sixty, seventy years? Because if they can go, actually, yeah, we can go. Why is it always America okay, that that's... you visit? Why isn't it the anywhere else on the planet? That is an interesting thing because if aliens did come, the last thing I care about is validation for the hillbillies. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, forget America. Let's ask them: Were they in circa 1987 in the East London area? <laughs> and how was that ship so little? Because it was tiny. That how big are they? Have they since grown and evolved? If they turn up, I think they're going to turn up. To eat us. Here's, here's the, my opinion. That's exactly it, what's going to happen. The same way that we, the Spanish turned up for the Incas or the the British turned up for the Native Americans. We didn't go there to play nice. We went there to nick all this, their this good shit. A, this, and they, we just had to get rid of them. This is a point of, uh, I think, I mean, if aliens, because there's a great Stephen Hawkins quote, we, there's a thing where we've now sent a signal out across galaxy or the universe or whatever yes. Stephen Hawkins yeah, had yeah. the great quote going we shouldn't really be doing that because if anyone can interpret it we don't really want them <laughs> we just became lower in the food chain and my yeah. opinion is if aliens do come they'd better be coming to invade <laughs> That's for their sake now if aliens come right and they have got like sustainable energy source and our diplomats go up with them into the spaceship and they then just in passing conversation in the fucking transporter beam go yeah we realize that weapons aren't aren't necessary anymore you just someone just goes into an apis goes code blue code blue and then we just <laughs> we would start if take them down like a mexican family cooking crossing a border gets put into a cage today you imagine green slimy things showing up i mean don't get me wrong it could unite yeah. the world that we could all be racist in the same direction but those people are fucked <laughs> it could be look at district nine that was a great way to handle district nine's a great movie yeah the alien question yeah absolutely because they're not always going to be ready for us are they you know i'd, I'd say if they're going to come who do we send to to talk to them, do we send up Clooney? Is that the is that our guy? Send. Is it Kofi oh, Annan? Who who do we choose? And we send Louis through. <laughs> <laughs> Let's send Louis through. That's a good shout. Yeah, he knows. He'll ask the right he's questions. He'll make there. them feel Watch. uncomfortable. They're not allowed in until he's he, done a year with them, and he can go. Yeah, yeah they're Louis all right, is there. Guys. He's busy, you know, washing alien dishes, waiting for them to talk to him. Just being patient. He's not in there. Yes. So the Nebula Galaxy, I heard that you exterminated all life form there. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think people think that's okay? Is that okay to exterminate a race, a planet? (laughs) What score are you going to give Unsolved Mysteries, Berkshire's UFO? Right, I'm giving this one a, a a fun... A fun 3.5. It's worth it for 40, but it's just to see Tom Warner's painting of this is what aliens look like. <laughs> Guess what it looks like? Yeah, it looks like that. It looks like Marvin the Martian. Um, it's interesting. I think it's a fun series. I, I think it's not a bad series. It's on Netflix, so everyone's going to have it. And uh, this was a, a nice little fun one to chuck out there as a bonus one at some point. I've got no no beef with that. I, I don't think I'm going to watch any more Unsolved Mysteries. I did, this one is the peak of my interest. Just because I've, you know, I've got a lot, lot in common with Tom, 
you know, we both love crayons and we've both seen a UFO. Just, I can't so, wait until the, uh, the tell-all the tell-all documentary on Matt Wills. I go, and yeah, that play was so good. I didn't have a girlfriend through high school. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, if I, they were just too intimidated. They're like, no, he's he's too much. My first ever girlfriend, we, me and her are still friends. And her and my missus are mates. And they hang out together during the Edinburgh Festival. Because we all go up in Edinburgh and they all hang out for a, for a week or so. That's good. That's mature. Yeah, that is quite mature. Any girlfriend I'm not talking to is due to my lack of maturity. And uh, I, I'd hope that, <laughs> I hope that I've grown since then because life is long. And uh, yeah. She also has three kids. Ex-girlfriend of mine goes on to find complete happiness. Um, well, at your, at your age, Matt, to say ex-girlfriends have kids is hardly like a freakish. Yeah, that's true. We were nine at the time, and I think her next boyfriend was the one one of her that became her life partner. Well, until they until they got divorced. Um, right, I'm going to give this. This is tough because I really bought into. Oh, it. do you quickly want to hear me dad's one of my dad's stories before we go? Because I wrote down the plot points. This is yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. this is like a genuine UFO story, not from him, but what he's and it's more the way he told it that I found hilarious. You ever heard of the Gear Said Alien? <laughs> Say that again. I lost that. Start again. Start from the beginning. All right, son. You ever, ever heard of the Gear Said Alien? <laughs> the Gateshead Alien. As, again, the minute you put a British town in it, it just <laughs> it, it nullifies. America makes everything possible. UK, out of in shite. There's an interesting one about renders from an army base, but we're overrun. I won't go into that one. So the Gear Said Alien in the 1940s, a five-year-old child had an encounter with aliens by by Team Valley. The next day, the alien comes back and tries to grab him. His uncle hits the alien with a shovel and kills it. <laughs> Round the back where the bingo is at Saltwell Club. <laughs> now, they take the body to a church and then they come back the next day and the alien's gone. Well, maybe he didn't kill it. Unfortunately, no one's alive to corroborate that story. Uh, but yeah, that, that and that's that's like a million one stories. But my point is that the minute you mention a British town, it becomes hilarious to me. Do you know what I mean? Like just little little points to that. He, he, he's a fascinating guy, my dad. He's fucking hilarious. Um, right, let me give this a score then. I'm struggling with a score on this one because it didn't annoy you. Is the point? Do you know what I mean? It wasn't long enough to annoy it you. It didn't annoy me. Yeah, let's. I'm going to give this a healthy four. What one of those points? It would be a three, but one of those points is because. Yeah, me and me and Tommy are clearly uh, are clearly friends. So, <laughs> well, that was weird, Rick. That's all I'm going to say from a documentary viewpoint. I, I like that it was different. That's what I liked about it. That was mm. worth another point. So, two points for the documentary. One point because it was different, and one point because I could relate to what they were saying. Because <laughs> Tom Ruana really needs this, and if there's anyone that's going <laughs> to listen to this podcast, Tom. <laughs> I'm sorry if it sounded like I'm taking the piss, but I, I got a sneaking, a sneaking suspicion you're used to it, pal, so <laughs> toughen up. What you could do, Tom, if you do want uh, to gang up on anyone to get back at us, Kate Nash would appreciate your call, I'm sure. <laughs> you're kidding, he's the one buying her socks online. <laughs> um, thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of Discussing Documentaries. That is a healthy... What was that? A healthy seven and a half. It's a healthy seven and a half. It's good mid-table. There's certainly no wrinkles to clown. So thank you very much for listening. If yeah, you man. Would like, 
like the Facebook page, if you could subscribe, a review really helps us on the Apple iPhones. It does. Um, any recommendations as possible. And we've got an exciting announcement to to make very soon about some extra stuff we're going to be doing. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. And until the next time. And just in the same way that the documentary ended, if you did see an alien at the end of Empress Avenue and Aldersbrook Road in 1987, then get in touch at discussingdocumentaries at gmail.com. I've been Matt Wills. Goodbye. And last last little (laughs) plug, if you want to see myself or Matt perform, uh, go to One Off Comedy on Facebook, the Facebook page, all the events there. One of us are always on one of those gigs uh, and you yep. can just message us to see if it's going to be the pair of us. You want that? You can come up and say hello to us afterwards if you go to one of those shows. They're very, very good. Matthew is far more approachable. Um, very. I'm the little guy. <laughs> you, you can't miss me. I'm the happy one. <laughs> With the 30 hours of content, the amount of short jokes I've made, I hope you'd know that by now if you're going to come see us. But yeah, uh, yeah. again, thanks very much for listening. It means a lot. It does, really does. And uh, catch you again soon. Cheerio. Ta-da. I thought the episode was better than the documentary.